Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, rocking that cardigan look, my good buddy, executive producer, Cameron McCoy. What is up, my friend? Dude, uh, I'm good, but I'm more just concerned with how you're doing this Monday following an epic win. Yeah, you are, of course... uh, Referring to the Super Bowl win of the Chiefs, or for oh, those sure, of you who sure. are what we do in the Shadows fans, the Superb Owl. Uh, <laughs> I forgot the Superb Owl. Um, but yeah, you know what? I'm going to say this: like, it's going to come off as spoiled. Like, I'm I'm super ecstatic. I was obviously very happy. Um, wasn't nearly as emotional as the first one because that was like. 50 years basically that was a long dry spell (laughs) yeah it was yeah and lots of lots of like again i'm not trying to like go over kansas city sports history but the chiefs had had a lot of chances in my lifetime too they they were been very 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 good for many years uh over the course of my life and just always came up short the royals on the other hand i think were was even a more emotional thing because they stunk forever (laughs) Like historically bad, um, you know, Cleveland Browns fans know what I'm talking about, and uh, to break through that was like even more of a oh my gosh, right? Um, it's hard to believe that we've been doing this show through all those championships, though. That is crazy, yeah. It, so, it took me leaving Kansas City for them to actually start winning. Wow, so you're never welcome back. Um, I, I get it, yeah, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but you actually went to your first. Maybe not your first, but a, a for real superb owl party. How did that go? It, yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to some as a kid. I remember some sort of Buffalo Bills Super Bowl party, um, early '90s. But oh uh, yeah, it was good. It was fine. Uh, like I, I spent most of the time just complaining that there's so many commercial breaks. There, there are. It, it's actually a really unpleasant game to watch if you don't care about it or if it's a blowout. If you're a genuine, I hate to sound like a genuine football, but sure. if you're really there for the football, it's a really drawn out experience otherwise, right? So, eh. um, dude, we have kind of scratched the surface on Phyrexia. All will be one. Uh, we have a lot to talk about in terms of the limited experience, in terms of the standard experience. I think we're probably going to be jumping into more of how it looks in Explorer slash Pioneer a little bit, but I do think the set can actually impact that format somewhat Mm -hmm. um and i i guess i guess i'm just really interested let's just start with limited kind of what your experience is because you did not play paper right no i have not and so Uh, you you did this on arena did it all on arena and i've only played sealed as far as like the limited side of stuff so i haven't drafted it yet and i think this would be probably a better draft experience maybe i'm wrong on that than it is a sealed experience um the sealed pools i mean you can do some really crazy things um with it so i played two different pods of sealed um the first one was a black green toxic uh deck which um Spoiler is really, really good. <laughs> um, like, removal is really good, and the aggro is really good. So you can win games very fast, hitting at 10 rather than 20. Um, and then I played, like, a white-red... 
I don't even know what it was just white equipment red. maybe equipment. I mean, it had it had a lot of artifacts in it. Yeah, so um, both of which were really really good. Um, once again, blue just seems like does it even have an identity in the, like, the last few sets because it's just like sad like like how just i don't know we'll throw some oil tokens in like give them a bone or whatever like i just find that color to just be so bad at least in the sealed experience like there was nothing in either one of my uh pools that i thought were like actual viable worthwhile cards to make a 60 like you know to be even a part of a 60 card deck um but the black green one like i think that's if i if i were drafting that's the one that i'm actually going to go after I, I really understood what you're trying to do with that as far as toxic and aggro and like i think you can get some really good removal so overall i had i had very good success with, with the black green version white red um i did not i won one game and then blew out the last three or the last two and Called it good. So, uh, yeah, sealed is good in this format, but it's, I think, very easy to figure it out, unlike some of the maybe past sets where it's like, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing with this. <sighs> All right, so do you remember, Cameron, the old TV show Cheaters? Oh, man, okay. So Cheaters was this like quasi reality show that was super trashy and it was on like late at night. I remember it would be on like in college, I would get home late and I'd just be like, you know what, I'm just going to throw in a Totino's pizza and watch Cheaters. That's basically what this set is. <laughs> it is objectively, I think, a terrible limited set. Now, that might be... <laughs> It might sound like I'm really coming down on this. There are really good things about this set. I want to get there, okay? But here's my journey. I bought the thing that was like one sealed token and then two draft tokens. That was mm -hmm. like, I'll just, I was like, I'll just see. I O3'd my sealed. And I thought, oh, okay, well, this must be a fast format. Built it what I thought was a fast deck and got freaking smoked by faster decks. So I got the message... And it was kind of alarming. I it, this is so close to triple scars in terms of feel. I don't know like how many people were around for that. I drafted that because a long time ago, Star City Games had draft opens, and you could prepare for that. Yes, they were sixty-four man events, so you would win a pod and then go to the finals pod and whatever. And they would do like two or three of those, and it was like your outlet to do competitive draft if you weren't a pro player, and it was really fun. I knew I was going into one of those, so I drafted Scars on Magic Online a lot. I hated every minute of it. <laughs> this set has so much in common with that, and it is all the bad things. Like People are going to say, oh, you know, you, people always say this about draft formats. Uh, this one, it's true. It is super crazy aggressive. Right. Like, like, you should draft, you know, a majority of your deck should be two or three drops, and it's one of the... Like the one drops in it are can be very good depending on what you get and when you get them. But there's like a, a one that has for every oil counter gets plus one plus one. Like you can just straight up lose to that card, like the one drop, right? Um, there are one drop death touch cards. Um, it's super aggressive. And then you have cards that are way too good, like way too good. Like the 
outside of just some of the mythics, like the hexproof Kaya, like a planeswalker that has hexproof. Good luck with all that in limited, yep. right? And then the emperor, the wandering emperor variant, is a rare Cameron. It's not a mythic. And I don't know if you know this, but on the text it says can only be attacked by one creature at a time. Again, good luck with that in limited, right? <laughs> um, the uh, the the bitter blossom variant is basically unbeatable. Yeah. The um, there's another variant that's like a it creates a trample ball lightning that grows by one point of power every turn. If they turn three that on you and you don't blow it up like right away, you are a hundred percent going to die to it. So once I kind of grokked it. <laughs> I turned my two draft tokens, I mean, I went on a tear because I felt like I had the message of what this format was before others, and I also yeah. had some good cards, but a lot of green, red, and black, green, just low to the ground aggro. I won two drafts and went six and one in another, <laughs> and like, <What? laughs> I mean, I would love to tell you there was any skill in it. I felt like I also just got really lucky um, with my pulls, but I was like, once I could turn those two draft tokens into a mastery pass in gyms. I went ahead and just got the mastery pass and said, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm out. Because <laughs> it's bad. Like, it's a really not good draft format. It is sometimes you just lose. Oh, Glissa. I don't know if you've seen that rare. That's mm. the one that's got first strike death touch. But if it hits, then they get to draw a card. Like, on and on and on. There's probably seven rares that I would say are very close Bananas. to unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah. And with something like Glissa, I'm kind of thinking why? Why is something first strike death touch that can also draw you a card? Why is um the emperor like technically that's a constructed card? I think it is a standard constructed card. But I don't understand that what a mythic versus a rare is anymore, Cameron. Because to Nothing. me that should be a mythic. Yeah. The but otherwise only thing, the only difference is that I have fewer of one when I need the other one. There we go. <laughs> For my tokens. And and some other things. To your point, blue is stone awful in this format. Like, yeah. you should never consider... Like, as soon as my opponent would play an island, I would be like, sweet, free win. <laughs> Let's go. Meets on the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meets back on the menu. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, and the green... Uh, and again, if we're just talking about draft archetypes and whatever, the green-red oil deck, if you can actually get that, it is so far above everything else. Like... You can Lost attack for that one. yeah yeah you can because there's a, there's a, the four or five drop that gives the other thing haste so if you're able to stabilize but they have something all the way up the curve like and it is not like the the one drop is not uncommon right um, there's also a land that makes infect creatures which is super not fun to play against too like I could keep going here man but it is such a downgrade from Dominaria United and Brothers War in terms of a limited experience. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, I had one night of fun. It was kind of trashy and just like, all right. And I think the thing I liked about it, it's bad in a way the draft sets used to be bad. Mm, okay. You know, it's got kind of that triple scars, Zendikar World Wake, right? Like... This isn't a very good draft format, but I'm kind of having a good time. All the all the things are pretty wide open. But I was actually at the shop, which, by the way, I, I've been at the shop twice since this thing has come out. This, in all, my area, is selling wildly better than Dominaria United and Brothers War. And it is really noticeable at the shop level, which is great. I'm really happy about that. 
but I kind of don't know why. Like, yeah. it's clicking so much more than, com- like, especially Kamigawa. <laughs> but, like, but Dominar United and Brothers War, have, have you... Anecdotally, yeah, like both on my Facebook group. And then I was just like reading an article on The Verge, which is like a tech blog. And one of the um, journalists there was just talking about how they've been gone from Magic for 10 years. And this is a set that brought them back in. And they're obsessed with it, which I just think, okay, cool. I don't get it, but cool. I'm glad. I'm actually really happy that like if this is the thing that's going to bring people back create a limited environment that maybe will create a standard environment we have like a really interesting influx of standard players like i'll take it i mean if that's what it takes yes please yeah and i would say that's the flip side to this coin because i was just saying it's like reminds me of how old sets were bad it reminds me of how an old set would be bad when it was kind of constructed focused Mm-hmm. And this really feels like a very constructed forward set in a good way. Um, it's draftable. The draft games aren't awful, but they're n- pretty far from good, <laughs> in my opinion. Oh, and also, like, I think poison counters are a terrible limited mechanic. Um, I, I don't know why people are so drawn to it, but obviously they are. Um, I guess the good news is proliferates actually kind of sometimes usable in this format whereas in triple scars it was embarrassingly terrible um also people tell me all the time oh i love proliferate i used to play it all the time no you didn't that wasn't a deck it's not a good deck right like this is the era when proliferate was around the original time that was the cobblade era you were not playing any card that said proliferate on it sorry Mm -hmm. right um so i think there's good news here I want to talk about standard because I do think the set has the chance to maybe edge into tier two stuff and occasionally in tier one outside of just the fast lands. So you've been playing some standard. What's your thoughts, man? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm obsessed right now with one specific card and that's Skrull's hideout, which is the bitter, bitter blossom variant. Um, I opened this um, card and put it into my red white deck and didn't really realize what I was doing other than like, oh my gosh, this is this is Bitter Blossom. I mean, yeah. yes, you can't block and they aren't flyers. I get that. But life gain and artifacts. And all of a sudden, like the light bulbs just start going off. Like, oh my gosh, a free artifact every single turn. You know, like that's not nothing. Like that's something huge on top of it just being able to attack. And then gaining life, so like life gain is just in, like it just doesn't matter. Um, so there's a lot going on with Skrull's Hideout, and I really, really like this card. So I'm just trying to figure out like, are there any sort of go wide strategies that work within standard with this card? Um, and I just wanted to try it. So I actually brewed three different types of decks. Um, one of which was a, a list that I just totally copied, which was the Affinity list. And I think that one has the most promise. It's a blue-white affinity list in standard, and there's a lot going for it. Um, but I was able to play a, an Esper Rafine version of a deck as well, and as far as, like, the mana is terrible, and Rafine is great on turn three, but I still think Fable of the Mirror Breaker is a better play to be doing on turn three. Um, <laughs> and you just can't play a four-color deck. So there's that. The mono-white deck I thought was 
good. It's running like a bunch of like the toxic cards and then you just kind of go over the top with um I can't remember. Like there's a lot of things that give like um essentially um lords that give everything a plus one plus one mm. um and that worked pretty well but the affinity list um was actually really playable and really really good um and because you're going right wide with Skrelv's hideout you can use it's an instant that gives you two options one of which is to create two toxic creature tokens or you can destroy a creature based off how many creatures you have so like that's like a really powerful get and can wipe certain things from um, the board very, very easily. And then, yeah, I really like this. So I think Skrull's Hideout, there is potential there. I don't know if it's as good as something like Wedding Announcements still, um, but I like it a lot. And I think this is one of those cards that might have some potential for an affinity deck in Pioneer Explorer as well. Yeah, so... It is a bummer that we're talking about this. The first, like, for real pro tour in years, years, years is happening this coming weekend, and it's Pioneer. Yeah. And that's kind of a bummer because I would have loved to see this. Now, I'm going to send you a deck. This is the deck I've kind of fallen in love with. I do want to say this. Like, I do think Esper Legends or whatever, the Rafine deck you want to call it, is still probably the premier deck that in Grixis. Like, obviously, there are, like, upgrades. But I've been playing with this. Um, it's... It's a Mind Splice control deck, okay? So there is an artifact um, called Mind Splice Operatus, which is a three and a blue for an artifact with flash. At the beginning of your upkeep, you put an oil counter on it. Then instants and sorceries cost one less for each oil counter on it. So what you do is you, like, basically it's a control deck. You flash this in, and then there are some X spells, uh, Silver Scrutiny being kind of the key one, that... You like there have been many times when I've played this deck where I do a draw seven for two mana, um, and so it is a classic control deck in that um, you kind of hold off, hold off, hold off, and then you kind of reach this critical mass where you can catch up. Now the problem and like really overwhelm your opponent with card advantage. The problem with this deck is, especially the one that I've sent you, is I, I've made a bunch of changes like. They're playing things like um, Union of the Third Path, which I think is not great. I've replaced that with the whatever Thirst Variant is in standard, where you draw three and then discard a land, basically, and or discard a or discard two. Like just some things that I think work a little bit better with this. Obviously, the Planeswalkers tend to be the spells that you're using to like uh, kill your opponent. Um, Whites and Zenith is also kind of an interesting. That's the one where you cast it for seven, and then you can wipe the board and make five infect tokens. So I'll probably have to send you my version of this because I've actually made quite a few changes after, but this was my starting point. Mm -hmm. um, mine is a little bit more, not flashy, but has more flash cards in it, I guess is how I would say it. Um, and I actually think five mana Teferi right now is better than four mana Jace. Um, but Mind Splice Apparatus is an example of the kind of constructed deck card that makes for a bad limited, like this is a bad limited card, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's the kind of thing that really incentivizes you to build a deck in a certain way in a constructed format. I've had really great success with this deck outside of against Esper Legends. Like, it's really hard to beat a Rafine that's resolved with this deck, but almost everything else is a good matchup. Um, you know, because especially the mono-white deck, really leans hard on Thalia being your answer, 
Well, if you have laydown arms, like a lot of times you can answer an early Thalia. But then if you have an apparatus online, a lot of times the Thalia becomes a um, incidental problem. Um, I've upped the farewell count. Um, a lot of these decks, uh, especially the blue decks, um, I'm sorry, especially the white decks, use like indestructible uh, mm -hmm. effects to keep their creatures in play. And they can't honestly deal with a, a resolve farewell. Uh, no pun intended. Um, this deck has been a ton of fun to play and made me like standard a lot more. Um, what I think is really the triumph of this set is it's adding adding decks to standard. Like I haven't actually played against it, but supposedly you can play elves competitively right now, um, mm -hmm. like standard elves. Um, I'm sure that there's an Infect deck in here somewhere too. Um, maybe it's not tier one, but there's probably some kind of tier two variant that you could actually get to work because if you have a certain quantity of proliferate cards, really you only have to poison your opponent a couple times. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anybody's really set up to interact with your proliferation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a lot here. Um, there's some obvious standard constructed playable cards. And then there's things like, you know, the, the Bitter Blossom variant or this that I think are very much build around, right? And uh, really good. So anyway, Cameron, is this deck a deck that you're going to craft? I, I'm looking at this right now and like I have, I think, everything that I need from this other than the White Sun's Twilights right now. So definitely we're going to give this a check out. Oh, dude. It, no one respects the Mind Splice apparatus. At first, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, man, you get some silly turns. Yeah. It's like, like the I've Grinning had... Ignis deck. It was like nobody respects Grinning Ignis, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you have these turns, like, especially you get to the late game, you're like, two mana, draw seven, two mana, farewell, uh, and then you play a Planeswalker. Like, you just have those things. And, like, the Eternal Wanderer, this is the kind of deck where it really works out very strongly. Yeah. Um. And, like, that plus ability, like, it, it, it is a removal spell. Like, I didn't really realize when we were talking about it that it works this way. But you just exile one of their creatures. It doesn't come back until they're in step. So if they have, like, a, a Rafine in play and that was their only creature, you can't do the minus, but you can just exile it. It can't yeah. attack you because it's exiled. And then it comes back. If they play a creature, then you can do the neg four and choose the crappier of the two creatures. Like, it is an incredibly obnoxious card to play against. Um, I also find the new Kaya to be an incredibly obnoxious card. Um, I That's like a little bit more mana and maybe out of the scope of this deck, but I could also see you going the Esper route to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the Mono Blue is also still a deck that is very playable, like the Delver variant, you could play that. Um, so there, there's some good decks here, and I think this has added a lot. Um, so, I mean... Obligatory flesh and blood uh, mention here. But flesh and blood does sets that are not draftable that are explicitly meant to be upgrades to the constructed format, and that's how this thing really feels to me. If you want to draft it, have fun. It's just so like <laughs> so much worse than Dominaria Remastered, Dominaria yeah. United, and the Brothers War, um, which are I mean I would say that they're like HBO miniseries. Sure. And yeah. Yeah. I will be one is, uh, you know, an TMZ. episode of Jerry Springer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like, you know, you might get a chuckle out of it or time or two, but 
Boy, if you if you're staring down the barrel, like if you're a limited only player and you're going to play this for two months, like I could see you getting to a point where they play the Eternal Wanderer and you just snap scoop and like move on with your life for sure. Yeah, you know. Uh, all right, Cameron, let's get out of segment. Come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron, some uh, old Nintendo classics. <laughs> Seriously. We're, we're talking about here, kind of separated by a generation. Um, let's, let's, let's lead off with Metroid Prime Remastered. That got Beyonce dropped on us. It really did. Um, I haven't touched it. I'm actually waiting for the physical release, which I think is in a couple weeks. Um, but I want, I want to hear the... I, look, obviously one of the greatest games ever made, but what's the remaster like? Yeah, you know, and I have to always put that in like an asterisk, like, you know, greatest game of all time, you know, and you're like one of them. Um, but, you know, like I've played some of the other greatest games of all time and sometimes they just don't hold up. Like, you know, it's like, OK, I see what they're doing. I see, like it, but it's very much of that moment and it just maybe doesn't always translate well um, for like the modern game playing experience. Um, the game that we're going to be probably also talking about. I think, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 2, I would put in that bucket too. Of yeah. Like very yeah. of its moment, a great yeah. game, but yeah. if you were to play it now, you'd be like, um, what? But I'm here to tell you, like, I think if they release Metroid Prime, if, the, if there had never been a 3D Metroid that had ever come out and this was just dropped today, we'd be losing our minds as far as like it just being kind of a Switch portable. Um, a... Uh, the game holds up. It plays. It, it, it's every bit as good. Mysterious music, like the the mood, the tone, all of that is still there, and is great. And it's just all brought up by this incredible remaster. Like I mean, HD remaster. It looks. The first game actually still looks pretty good. It just it's on four by three, and the only way to actually get any sort of like real fidelity out of it anymore is like to use like a dolphin emulator or something like that. Yeah. But whatever whatever team was doing this, because I haven't actually done the research to find out, but what whoever was actually doing this remaster did a stunning job of it. Like I mean, from the opening title scenes to like the overworld maps when they kind of just show like where you are at to like the, the audio, like I feel like that also had like an HD treatment. Like I think they're higher quality wave files and they were the compressed stuff on the game, GameCube. All of it just, it, it's masterful, dude. It just looks so good. And, um, I had not played the game for probably a good 10 years. I think I bought like the Wii version that was like a re-release that they had with the Wii controls, but it was still standard definition at the time. Um, but just kind of revisiting it, like it's just it's like meeting an old friend again. It's um, it, it plays remarkably well for like the dual stick stuff because that stuff didn't really exist with the GameCube either. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm saying is like for forty dollars, you can't go wrong. If you've never played this, I, I highly recommend that you check it out. It is a Nintendo classic up there with like original Mario Brothers, you know, Link and the Link Super to the NES. Past, yeah. Link to the past. Like it's it's that important, I think. Um but yeah, and then it just it plays like a brand new game that you would expect a new game to play like in twenty twenty three. 
Yeah, I, w- I would actually. There's probably like five games that I would say are like perfect. You know, like yeah. like Doom. This, I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty exclusive company where it's like you really struggle to come up with anything that you find difficult or are dislikable about it. Like everything, like just the amount of detail and effort. And like when you play the original, the original still runs at 60 frames a second. Um, and I, it, it just smokes almost everything else out of that generation. Like there were some good games. Like I, I am the uh, eternal, um, oh gosh, the Zelda game in the ocean, Wind Walker. Yeah. Wind Waker. Waker, yeah. That's probably my personal favorite Zelda game. Um, but this, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, really I could probably point to one game per generation, like the PS3 era. I would actually say I think Dishonored 1 is probably the best game of that era. Um, you know, and like with the PS4 generation, I would struggle with what would be the best in that. That's something I'd probably have to stew on. But... That PS2, GameCube, I really feel like it's Shadow of the Colossus and Metroid Prime, and Metroid Prime is probably aged better. Mm-hmm. Um, Shadow of the Colossus, I think, has a little bit more more to say. Sure. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. I just think like you can do that with almost every you know generation. NES, obviously Mega Man 2. Sorry, Mario Brothers people, but what are you going to do? <laughs> anyway... Um, I downloaded, so I got Game Pass for Hi-Fi Rush, saw that GoldenEye was available, downloaded it, and I've always been of the opinion that basically every Nintendo 64 game besides Mario 64 is crazy overrated. Um, (laughs) I think it was a lot of people's first interaction with 3D, and Ocarina of Time was like a... It was good in the moment, but maybe down the line didn't age super well, but still good in the moment. But there's a ton of stuff that people point to that on the N64, like Conquer, that are really not very good games if you actually go back to revisit them. GoldenEye is probably just as good as the first Medal of Honor on PlayStation 1. Mm. Like It's a little bit better than that, but it is a lot of people's first exposure to this kind of shooter. So it's not bad. It's mission-based and... You can kind of go wherever, and the shooting's fun. Um, I think a lot of people from our generation are attached to it because they it was their first time playing like a land party kind of vibe with their their brothers or whatever. Um, that being said, on a re you know you probably have if you're listening to this you probably have a level of attachment to Goldeneye or not. This remaster does not do the appropriate service to what this is. This is just like here you go, bro. Here's the N64 ROM in HD. <laughs> And, like, it's kind of shocking for the level of game this is in terms of gaming history, for the level of popularity it is, and the fact that Nintendo and Xbox had to come to an agreement to publish this. Mm -hmm. And it's a ROM dump? Like, are you kidding me? Seems lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um... A faithful, like supposedly they went to a lot of work to make it faithful or whatever. But Cameron, sometimes you should do yourself a favor and just YouTube. There was a canceled when Microsoft thought they had the rights. Some company rebuilt the first level in like what would be Xbox 360 graphics. Yeah. 
And so they did like that remaster, but then it never ended up coming out. And now it's like available like online um, through the dark web. And uh, if you watch it, you'd be like, that's that's what I should have gotten. Instead, I've got and, and like it doesn't I watched the digital foundry on this and it doesn't render correctly. Because when they originally oh. built the game, they, of course, didn't think it would be in 4K or whatever. So, like, the pixels go like this, and it creates these, like, wavy lines. Have you played the the Switch port of it or anything yet? I haven't. Um, I, I, it was on my list, and I probably would have picked it up last week had Metroid not come out. Um, but, dude, like, I just... Halo figured this out with the Master Chief Collection, what, five years ago? Six, how long ago was that? Uh, it's a little bit longer than that. That was, oh. that was like eight years ago. Okay, yeah. But, like, give if, if it's really important to show, like, what the original game is, which I think it is, give me that option, but then switch it to the HD gra- – like, I mean, like, for some of these, like, I think it's really important that that – I don't know. I guess you're getting the real experience, but I also like none of those early 3D games actually live up to what they actually were in your head, right? Even the Mario 64, like, yes, groundbreaking, revolutionary, all that. Looking at the original, man, it ain't pretty <laughs> at all, you know. And having that HD remake of it, I think, is um, great for the preservation of these to continue down the road. But it'd be nice if you threw just a just a little bit of money into it, just a little, just to dress it up some. And it's like, if you guys had that remaster sitting around, why didn't you just finish that? Like, that's the thing that's kind of stunning to me. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you can do four-player on Nintendo Switch Online. Like, there's some some of that, which is cool. Um, But it's it's kind of a baffling experience, is how I would put it. It It's just like, wow, you guys could have... Again, this game, I think, doesn't necessarily hold up under a modern lens. As my point earlier was... Most Nintendo 64 games don't. That's not necessarily inherently a bad thing, but it would have not taken much to maybe get this a little bit more up to snuff, right? And mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and by the way, that's all 3D games from that era. Like, the ones that really succeeded, like the first Metal Gear, is really just a top-down game. Yeah. And then they, they do some things with 3D inside of it, right? They, or like, you know, the Wipeout series is 3D, but it's really a traditional racing, on and on and on is like that that gap didn't get fully bridged until the PS2. Even action games didn't really change yeah. until something like Devil May Cry. So anyway, point being is maybe save yourself the money by the Metroid remaster. It's a better game anyway, but it's yeah. also a better remaster. So anyway, uh, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and just get your thoughts on the Metroid Prime trilogy as a whole, where could they find you? Uh, that's all at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week.